Welcome to Tech Comedy Life. This is Vijay and Deepu Babu. The show is called Tech Comedy in Life. It's about technology. We approach it with comedy, especially irreverent, stupid, outlandish comedy. We love it. We love our dad jokes. And of course, life. But you know what? What is the point of Tech Comedy Life if the country we are living in has a slight issue that we should not ignore just because we have a topic that is very off-center? I think this is a relevant topic because, you know what? Even though it's not funny, the technology and life aspect in what we talk about is going to be so important. With the kind of South Africa we witnessed in the last few days, a worrying sign of, of so many issues that we've known it, the country has had for decades, for decades. And it is now starting to simmer. In fact, did you know, Dibu? We are witnessing the second tsunami, the second tsunami in the social upheaval. The first tsunami was the xenophobic violence when the people were fighting one another, especially in their areas, uh, especially the, the foreign workers. This is why the foreign shops were having issues. The, there was xenophobic violence and it became a, an embarrassing situation because people were targeting themselves within their own community because of that particular problem. So that was the first tsunami. The problems continued. People didn't make changes. Poverty is still here. COVID obviously happened, threw everything out. Whatever growth we had, thrown out. We are so much in debt. 500 billion rands was introduced. Who knows what, ha what happened to that? Now all of a sudden, government needs to borrow more money to help vaccinate. And, and at that very moment, at this very height of this hectic thing that's going on, Government decide to arrest Zuma. And then we witness the second tsunami. We witness the second tsunami, which is now, they are even more pissed off, there's even more issues, all this money is gone, and then you arrest this guy, who they are, it's their favorite son, I understand. Um, he's a very, very, remember, Zuma and uh, Mandela had the same kind of uh, sort of process, right? His, uh, his, um, his, uh, his contribution into the struggle was as important as Mandela or Tambo and all of these guys. He was actually at that level. Uh, what happened was later on, something happened. He fell in, met the Indians, you know, the Guptas. Something <laughs> happened and obviously it went downhill from there. So yes, uh, Zuma needs to answer for what has happened. Uh, a lot of people need to look at it, but okay, here we are. They decide well, to arrest was, him, second tsunami. Yeah, he was arrested on on uh, in contempt of court of not appearing to in court. Yes, so, which I think was a minor issue. Yes, but I think wow. it's a minor issue in greater things. They could have just postponed it and sentenced him at a later stage, um, because we have a priority right now, wow. which was the you COVID can say and that in vaccinations. No, you can only say. Well, that actually, in actually, everyone. Actually, I was thinking to myself before they do that, they must do this first. There's going to be widespread because remember, the first tsunami happened. So I knew something was happening. I just didn't know this was it. But I witnessed it. Second tsunami. Because now they went a bit further on and they went and hit neighboring neighborhoods. And let me tell you, the third tsunami, if nothing has happened, third tsunami is when they hit everyone. Third tsunami is the rich areas, the schools, the places that we go to, Saturn City, wherever, um, the places we hang out, the uh, and the places you work will get attacked. We have to prevent that. 
Okay, but here's the thing. Here, this is what we're going to talk about. The fundamental problem that is not being fixed in South Africa. You can blame all you want from apartheid. You can blame all you want from what, what has happened. And then you can blame all you want with the new government, right? So everyone is blaming everyone that we have a lot of inequality. We have a huge rich versus poor gap. In fact, the highest in the world. The middle class and everyone else just carried on as is. We all carried on as is. But we left the majority behind. We desperately, we didn't do enough as, as a nation. 60 to 70% of those people were basically left behind. If you look at where they live now, it looks the same. What have we all done? Because the people who live in Kailicha, Deep Slut, if you look at it, the lives looks still the same, still living in shacks. We still have, goodness me, it's 2021. Why do we still have Indian areas? Why do we still have white areas? We still have it. That's my issue. Um, and we, have, we haven't actually budged. But it's, it's still the it's same. Not, it's not the private citizen's uh, initiative. What's, what's your Because solution? this is what's happening, right? I, I myself included, I keep asking, why isn't government fixing? And I'm thinking, can government do anything, right? Probably not. Look at what's happening at ESCOM. How are they going to fix this? Maybe they are trying, but the problem is we think it's the government's, it's only the government's responsibility to fix it. No, that's, that, that's, that's wrong. But it is definitely their initiative to take, to take on. Yes, but who has to take actions and all of that? The actions and uh, tasks that need to be uh, unfolded or to be taken out is is going to be everyone who's who wants to take part in that. That's up to government to open up and say this is the framework that we are opening up to solve this problem. But it still needs to be government's initiative. That is why they are in position. I mean, that's why they are voted into power to. To, to solve these problems. If you are a self-managing society, there's no need for a government, right? Because then every uh, individual or community within the country is able to manage themselves. That is why we vote for a leadership in, in, in a government and in municipalities to, to manage these kind of issues and problems, <clears throat> to grow communities, to expand infrastructure, to expand jobs, to uh, create well uh, good living conditions, uh, water and electricity, all of those things are basic necessities and then build on that. So you have, how do you fix current issues? How do you pick, fix past issues? What is burning? You have a priority list and then you, you work through them. And that's why there's funding given for certain sectors in terms of like agriculture, in terms of technology, in terms of uh, infrastructure. That's, <clears throat> they are, that's why these divisions exist. It's to grow the, the economy and to grow the country, to bring in future investments. Uh, the country, I mean, the government has clearly failed in that initiative. Um, I mean, you can only blame apartheid for so much, right? But <clears throat> it's not something that's an unknown. Uh, it's not something that just crept up all of a sudden. As you said, you know, a second tsunami, but it's, it's been more than that. It's We've had a, a very unequal country for a very long time. Uh, I think you're, you're kind of partly wrong in the sense that it's, uh, it's been kept like that for a long time. The middle class in South Africa has grown tremendously. In fact, the, there's a massive uh, lower middle class to, to middle middle class, so to speak, or even upper middle class that's, that's massively grown in the last 20 odd years. Uh, 
but it's that it's it's the the, the poor are getting poorer uh, and they're being segregated but i don't think i mean we we can reference that to a point but i don't think that's the root cause to to what's happening today i mean it's the riots have gotten to the point where if if it's if it's purely hunger or poverty driven then it's not reflected in the riots it's not reflected in well i i think this is like literally terrorism <laughs> that's happening in south africa it's it's well just uh, to just note this is why i want to solve poverty just so you clear this is why poverty is very important nefarious sure. so, negative forces will always take advantage of population um demise right that's that's yes. why hitler yeah. got into power right yeah um essentially well, speaking then, that's a very poor, valid point right so what, what makes people crying. what makes what makes people so vulnerable that they were easily influenced into doing something like this the politicians will take advantage of that and use it to fuel more hatred but okay but what spurred this on in recent like it it something obviously triggered it recently right so it's you can blame it partly or mostly on on covid right covid obviously put a massive dent on on the a rollout of progress right now with the closure of lots of businesses lots of shops for for weeks on end uh, i mean alcohol and and groceries and general infrastructure work had to shut down and they were facing massive risks as it is just to to lessen the spread of covid now that also that on its own started affecting the workers the communities and there's loss of income massive lots of jobs were lost companies had to retrench so where was the initiative to recover from that you can't then shut down on the basis of trying to prevent a wave without knowing the repercussions of what that's happening to your population yeah you could, <clears throat> it's it's already <laughs> i mean the the middle class and even the upper class were were complaining about the so imagine the frustrations that the, the lower class are feeling it's it's massively uh, i mean i can understand the frustration there but the ability to mobilize such a, ma- a massive group of people to go on such a streak of rampaging and disregarding property private property public property even your own community property which baffles my mind it's like you are cutting the hand that feeds you it's a political move yes. because obviously yes, what's happening yes, yes. is uh, with zuma being arrested uh, the yeah. zuma faction within the anc is also very strong it's uh, zuma's support is nearly 50-50 to to zero you know that right it's 50-50 so it could go either way so there are enough people to cause mayhem that's going to show everyone see if you don't give the power back to zuma they're going to carry on doing this throw in the wild card of the eff as well because i mean Julius yeah. was having high tea with Jacob Zuma not too long ago. Mm. Who knows what was discussed in that conversation? But mm. that aside, I mean, it's if it was purely a a, a riot based on or a movement based on hunger and poverty and feeling left out of the economy. Look at I mean, look at the pictures and videos that have been shared on on social media. It's people are throwing milk away. There, there's hundreds and hundreds of loaves being thrown of uh, loaves of bread being thrown into the river that I've seen uh, I mean it's uh, but they're stealing TVs how is the TV going to feed you there's a picture of a of a woman in sitting in front of a shack with a 70000 rand couch i saw that like, one that was yeah uh, okay. like, <laughs> that blue couch right <laughs> what, yeah. what are you 
what's what value is that bringing to your life like absolutely nothing it doesn't even fit in your in your house but mm. you've got this expensive item like uh, so it comes down to education like the root cause i feel is education because if if there is some sort of educated awareness a basic awareness among people then it's it, number one it becomes less people become less uh, influenced into doing certain things and two it also gives them better opportunities into finding other opportunities in a situation like this where okay fine i've lost a job but how do i still uh, upskill myself how do i still use knowing my skills transform myself like how you've you've done right you've you've pivoted your business into something else and you you know pushing pushing your boundaries on on where you can take your uh, next level of income uh, but then I, i pivoted so much i'm now a gyroscope <laughs> well that's you that's an education <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but i mean you understand my point right so yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that we need to to un- unpack here uh, it's it's more than just a uh, rich versus poor thing i think it it comes down to simple governance leadership uh, awareness of the country awareness of the people and how to manage uh, i mean this is this is trumpism 2.0 in South Africa it's it's pure leveraging of uh, of the mentality of of weak-minded people who can be easily puppeted into doing actions that guaranteed next by next week or so or two weeks time when all of this things run out that they've looted it's like oh shit no what do i do now where do i go to get my food where do i need to, where do i go to get a job uh, most of those communities have been burned down literally down to the ground uh, it's it's a sad sad state of affairs in this country right yeah. now yeah okay but here's where i think i think where the solution lies and it's a twofold solution number one, the most important important thing is that we need to get people who live in poverty out of out of poverty Yes. people who are living in kalicha people who are living in alexandria people it, theoretically speaking if things were done properly and we an apartheid was not happening this would not be an issue obviously but the current government that owned it inherited the problem kept the problem the same because there was financial motivation to keep it that way because there so, i mean if you're rich living somewhere else in a nice fancy yeah. car to solve yeah. the problem the poor is no longer there so what happened was the system is the same the, the operators have changed so the so the poverty the people are still there are still in that corner we still have a huge gap a gap of rich and poor that's a fundamental issue in south africa that has to be solved somehow that's number but one. i i disagree though okay let's let's tackle that first right so yes i think the, the one of the unfortunate uh, victims of of apartheid in south africa was the segregation the where groups of people were, were types of people who grouped into certain areas right you know rich versus poor and you'll see that in that 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 tweet that you posted of a clear divide between the rich residential area and the poor residential area but as a governing body it's pretty obvious to say okay like this is an area that needs attention how do we solve that i mean we've got some of the best roads in 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 the world we've got some of the best uh, infrastructure make use of that it's there's certain basic necessities housing mm. water 
electricity, and that can be managed within a small township. Bigger townships like Kailisha, Soweto. I mean, Soweto's done pretty well purely because of its historic status where Nelson Mandela, um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu is there, and there's the community has also done something to to bring some historicness or some uh, uh, can I say tourism factors to it, and that's why it's kind of done better than most other townships. But there, there's like a list of like top five townships that can be solved. Uh, bring in basic things. You can hmm. clean up the township a little bit. Keep that. You can still keep the township there, but ups, upscale it. You know, there's there's only so much. I mean, it's very identifiable. So bring in road access, bring in, build a couple of schools, hospitals around that area. So there's there's like in pretty much like what there's the whole gentrification and decentralization of towns where instead of bringing, uh, instead of having the historic one CBD in a massive town, split it apart and decentralize the town. So people don't have to move across town to, to, to go shopping or uh, to, to, to go to jobs. You know, there's, uh, as you can see in, in Joburg itself, there's Sant and Edenvale, Foy's, all becoming micro hubs within the larger city. You can do that within a township as well. You create mm. all of these necessities or these facilities within that area. Yeah. The, the, the town feels a sense of pride. There's a sense of uh, community. Mm. There's, there's, there's jobs also being created. It's, in my mind, it's simple and straightforward. And if I can think of these things, and I'm consider myself a very average person, why is it that the government can't do this with the funding that they had? It's pure okay, management. Again, it's it's great. It's two. No, there's yeah. two issues. Number one, we have a very strong upper middle class, rich class, that yeah. pretty much own ninety percent of the land, ninety percent of the wealth, ninety percent of everything that's good. I disagree. Ninety percent uh, of the land. I disagree with you. No. We how much, how much land do you think it is? <laughs> the, the middle class. Actually, owns. if you if you actually if you no not middle class. I mean, uh, sorry, I should say the you get the the, the historically uh, white owned businesses and the white owned the companies. Okay. The privileged, right. yes. But that also now includes Ch- Chinese and Indian now too, as well. That's why I'm including it as that. Not 90% so, of the land, always. But if you look at it, no, actually, the majority, okay, I'll put it this way the majority of the people, 90% of South Africans who are predominantly the indigenous black people, 90% of them do not Got have it. land of any kind. No, I disagree. Did I want you to correct may- that if it's wrong, but it's a very high yes. number. South Africa is a massive country. Geographically, it's a massive country. There is yes, but individually, I mean, black people yes. individually. I'm talking about yes. the Joe that you meet who washes your car, the guy who... Uh, every sort of black South African you can think of, from the guy who's washing the car to the president, yes. Cyril Ramaphosa, right? All of those right. black people, if you add them up, how many is that in the country? They are about 70% of the population? 80%? Correct, yeah. 70, 70, yeah, yeah maybe 75%. Okay. In terms of land ownership, vast majority of them have no yes. land ownership. And that's why the land ownership issue is, is there. Okay, fair enough. I can, yeah. I can agree with that. But what do you do with also that? Like, number one, access to land ownership should, have, should, should not be a big problem. I mean, especially to, to identifiable sectors of the, of the country. I think you know the answer right. why they can't get it. Why? There are other people who own it that don't want to give it up. No, I, 
there's there's enough land for everyone to go around in this country. Yes, enough Guess land to to make the best out of. No, well, it, the government <laughs> no. owns most of that. Private, yes. Privately owned, national, international, um, predominantly white privileged people actually own seventy five percent of the land. That should have been managed by the government. I think the government needs uh, to manage exactly, all that. but that they can't budge because in order to budge, they have to introduce things like Racial land expropriation without compensation. Correct. It means they can take the land and just take it without, just without anything. That is but, going to be horrible. Okay. Yeah, but that's like saying, okay, I see that you've got us, you've done quite well with your land, and I want it now with mm. that same amount of profit. Yeah. No, no one's going to give that up. <laughs> Why? Why would you want to do that? Some people have worked hard for that. Some people have uh, have capitalized. Uh, okay, understand the people will, who have got the chance to work hard on the land were given that land for literally for free or for very cheaply yes. at that time. Some of them right. got it for yeah, free yeah. because they were friends with government and they got huge right. hectares. I mean, massive yes. land. And right. yes, they worked hard. They learned how to do stuff. They made it awesome. Yes. In fact, if you go to these farms and places, they look awesome, right? They did very yeah. well. So, yeah. okay, historically, unfortunately, the land has, this is what, but I don't want to destroy that because you know what? We've got to this point and it looks like this. There is another way. We can give land ownership to the indigenous folks that have been cut out from the land deals from hundreds of years ago. If they can, if they're able to trace back those families, they, they should just be, uh, just receive equity uh, as a farmland business. So all the farms um, on all the land that, that were taken away due to ancestral issues and wars and apartheid, whatever, whatever uh, things that's happened uh, um, until now, give the land as equity. So that whatever profit is being made is shared with the indigenous folks. That they, that, which means the land doesn't have to be given, doesn't have to be destroyed. They can carry on as it is. And land just becomes an equity and they become shareholders. Okay, but now I, I agree with you there. But there's still a problem though. It's it, What you're doing is giving a man a fishing rod and saying, there you go. Now, they have no idea what this is supposed to do, what to do with it. But it's about giving them the the tools to say, right, as a fishing rod, you can go and fish, you can do what you want and you can sustain yourself. It's not just about me giving you a, a fish to, to feed you for mm-hmm. a day. It's about enabling you to, to, to do more, right? See, there are two ways to actually uh, make a living. Do you see that, right? You teach, uh, teach a person to fish, they can fish for life. That's skills. That's mm-hmm. how a doctor becomes a doctor, Right. I'm suggesting the second version. Yes, you've taught people how to fish. There are a lot of people who own um, the place that fish. Let them fish. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to teach them about equity and business ownership and shareholding. It means, a pers- for example, you don't have to learn how to fish, but you can own a part of the business that already is fishing. Mm. But okay. you, you create that within those communities. So, like, as I said before, those, those townships, just upscale those townships, like, set in decent basic infrastructure yeah. to the point where and, and, and expand that land so yeah. the township is that's still the, within that geographical space or third issue yeah. is that government has not put enough effort into rural areas or areas that need the land uh, infrastructure yes. upgrades has gone into yeah. you know how train and all these things to, to please our foreigners and please all yes. the tourists that come in and all the people who live in Santon and wherever so much of yeah. money has gone into that we could have actually yeah. done more. And not to mention the amount of money that's been wasted in all of the, like ESCOM and PRASA, they couldn't get the trains. They bought the wrong size trains. Wrong size trains. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you order the wrong size trains? 
I mean, ah, oh, ah. Oh. Let's not. Okay. Yeah. And, and then the ships was was deteriorating. The military was deteriorating because no one's uh, doing anything. The ethos are completely gone because they couldn't do that properly. So that's that's the issue. So governments had a plan, but all the middle things and corruption just completely derailed all that plan, all of it. Right. Right. So in in any in any other country in the world, a government that does this will will not have had a second term. But I think because there is such a monopoly on the ANC in this country, that they get away with with not having to deliver. And I think that's where, I think that's the only tangible thing that any, the average citizen can do is to, to make their voices heard in like, number one, create that community. What do you want in your community? So as a community, you stand up and you, and, and it comes down to education as well, right? Because if as a community, you feel frustrated, like in within your area where you stay, look at just, just that small area that like can, uh, in in polls off, and if there's something that annoys you about, maybe there's a shit ton of potholes on the roads, or there's uh, it's I don't know, no electricity. As a community, you get together and you say, okay, right, well, how can we solve this problem? Right? If there's if it's something beyond the scope of the community, then you write down a list of issues and you present it to your uh, who was it the what do you call the, the government official of that area? The uh, ward councillor. Councillors. Ward councillor, yeah. Correct. Correct, right? You present to them and then that's, that's a generally the, the process that, or the proper process that's followed. For people who are in low-income areas, they don't give a fuck about those processes because it's about that, that, that day-to-day suffering has gotten to the point where it's beyond conversation. It needs to be addressed right now. So drastic measures are normally taken. Burning, looting, shit like that. We need to address that first uh, and give them that, that proper process and put people there that are accountable and, and that need to be held accountable. This is your one task. Do this one job. Manage this small sector. Don't have to manage a massive portfolio. Start small, manage a small community. And then you start bringing that up and you can escalate that up to, to higher levels. Okay, two issues here. The plan um, of poverty, like for example, how do we get people who live where they are uh, to live in a place that looks like a camp spay? I'm just saying, just for, just for the hell of it, because camp spay, Kalicha are very close to one another, I think, right? They're, they're mm. not that far away. And, us, yeah. and, and I look at how different it is in terms of how long and how much infrastructure has gone in. They have to do the same mm. in Kailicha. Kailicha has to become a camp spay. That's basically yeah. the, the plan. There's no need for any more investment in camp spay right now. Like, there's, <laughs> it sells itself for what it is. There's yes. enough investments there from, from foreigners, from local. It can be managed by the private community there. They doesn't, mm. It does not need government uh, funding in my opinion, like certain areas don't need government funding. Government funding should go into those those areas that actually need it, like Kailicha, mm. like Kukuletu and all those areas. Yeah, and uh, and that's the first part, okay? The second part is the government programs that, that we try and do, that we keep seeing. For some reason, it always loses money. There's always maladministration, there's always corruption. There's, there's holes always in pockets, lots so of holes when in you, pockets. Right? When you say, let's give government um what, what did you say in the beginning when we started? It is the initiative is driven by government to solve problem, things like poverty, to solve issues, yes. right? 
that's the issue. Government has the authority to do it. Um, they have mm-hmm. the votes. They've been told you have a plan to get people out of poverty. But look how the money gets wasted through all of these problems. Right. And now we have to worry about recovery. And then there are not enough competent people uh, doing mm-hmm. their thing because they're all linked to politics and, you know, and they're doing their thing, which is not helping. This is why I said the government cannot be the only. Individuals like you and me, organizations no. and corporates need to come yeah. together with government to actually solve the issue in South Africa of poverty and education. Because you mentioned yeah. the second time, education is going to be very important. That a educated uh, electorate is going to change yes. the game completely, right? 100%. And number two, yeah. a working government that is actually helping is going to also change the game. But the government needs to be private-public partnership with individuals working together. But if we keep saying it's the government's fault and it means we don't take responsibility and the government guys keep blaming it's a party's fault and that's why they're not getting things done. So if we don't take accountability and if we all don't collectively say, yes, I get it. We had this happen, we had this happen and then those things happen and then these people went here, I get it. But you know what? Here's our issue. Look at this picture that I was trying to show you. Here's a division between this rich area and this poor area. It still looks like this today. We need to solve this. If we solve this issue, political forces cannot abuse and elect. Political forces cannot abuse an educated, um, electorate crowd who understand what's going on. They will not get manipulated. Yes. Yes. And things like this will never happen because people are living the lives that they want. There's no frustrations. They are contributors Mm -hmm. to society. And basic things like dignity and respect will, will happen because they don't even have that. Never mind money and uh, a place to live. Even dignity is taken away because of where they have to live or, or what they have to do and what they have to endure. Basic necessities. And, yeah. 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 Basic necessities. And by being poor, you are, obviously you know how you're treated worldwide. Um, if you see someone homeless, you know how it is. That's what we do in this country. So anyway, so there you go. So if you have education... And you've got a working partnership with private, uh, public, and, and individuals working together as government to help. What else is missing? These two are here. There's one more. One more. Do you have the answer or are you asking me? You don't know. Well, I'm exploring. I have an answer, okay. but I think I want to explore possibilities. So uh, just to backtrack a bit, I mean, you you won't... It's, it's impossible to, to go in with... Um, I mean, you are doomed for failure if you go in with the intention of trying to eradicate poverty. You can't eradicate poverty. So some of the, I mean, best uh, socioeconomic countries in the world still have poverty, still deal with poverty. But it's about trying to bridge that gap closer between poverty and, and, and non-poverty, right? And giving opportunities and, and having some sort of uh, tangible benefits, op- tangible opportunities within those communities that gives a sense of belonging, that gives a sense of, of pride, that gives a sense of uh, growth as well. So not, not, and not just putting people as into hamster wheels, you know, giving some sort of like future for them. So literally within two generations, a, a family has gone from poor to at least middle class, you know. That's you know what of, I knew was the biggest issue actually and from, from a human behavioral perspective, that was the warning sign for second tsunami. It yeah. was actually the abuse of alcohol. It was, it was how much alcohol people were using 
because that yeah. is reflective on hopelessness. There's no future. I don't care. I'm just going to drown my sorrows and drink. This is why our drinking population is so high. And it comes to this. People are not going to be motivated, are not going to do anything if they know they are not valued and if there's no future at all. And this is where I realized something something has to break for people to wake up and say, okay, we need to solve this. Yeah, uh, no, very valid point. I, I still think it's the solution is a long way away. I mean, number one, it's time to repair the damage. How do you, I mean, literally towns have been decimated. <laughs> so the first, the first task is to try and fix fix all of this infrastructure then yeah. and, and number Clean two up. is not not to repeat the mistakes again so while in that act of repairing the damages is to to have these these foresights in mind to say okay right where do we fuck up and let's try and kill two birds with one stone let's create opportunities for build the infrastructure as well for mm-hmm. for people that are suffering and and what is it that they need like basic things access to water electricity uh Good house, good decent, you know, uh, housing, uh, yeah. roads, access. Like not not having sewage run past your house. I mean, how many townships have you seen that where there's literally sewage running everywhere? There's animals and people living all in a tiny tin shack. I mean, that is that should not be an acceptable thing. I mean, look at even uh, past past falls off past that Porsche dealership. There's the biggest Porsche dealership in, in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and right next to that is a, a tiny little uh, shack that's, um, not shacks, but um, township that's developing there. And that's been allowed to grow. For what? I mean, it started off as like a few small shacks uh, about a few years ago. And now there's like a sprawling community going on there. And that itself is, is a cause of concern. Like, I mean, as, in, as private individuals, you can't really do much. But but as, as government officials who drive past there, uh, cops that drive past there, where is that that uh, sense of building the nation? You know, because like, you can relate it almost to a, a from a company point of view when you when you want to roll out a new program or you want to roll out a new initiative, it has to be a top down approach. If there is no buy in from the top, uh, then guys at the bottom are like, well, I don't give a fuck. You know, it's just going to be another gimmick. I'll nod my head, okay, fine, yes, cool. But there isn't going to be that bind, there isn't going to be that, that traction, that bite to say, okay, right, this actually makes sense. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of things that need to be fixed, but that that will, having that kind of initiative from the top down, and as you said, that, that discussion needs to start with the private sector in mind, with... Yeah. Uh, non-profit organizations as well with um, private sector as well don't exclude the private sector and, and private institutions there was one huge silent community that hasn't said anything uh, in terms of helping with what's going on and that's the private sector themselves all the retailers all the companies all the banks you name it big businesses have not said a word there's no CEO saying, we are going to help government to free fixes. We are going to help government to do this. 
we are going to work in partnership with 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 you know Deloitte and IBM and we are going to work with Microsoft and all of these companies and we're going to do th- no one has said anything see there's lack of leadership no. on the corporate side because there's no corporate responsibility in our lives it's just profit 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 sure i i i hear you and i think there there is there is blame to be put there as well but as a ceo of a multinational company or a organization within south africa why would you risk your i mean you're putting a lot of risk going into an initiative and that's like where this. government comes yeah. in uh, governments yes. usually have mandates to say that any company of any kind especially multinational corporations must do minimum social something something right but and the government yeah. should be able to invoke some sort of clause in, in the law to say your priority with the social development now is this for the next year yeah, we're going yeah. to do this so all the companies that have um, a csi budget they all have it because they all have to have an impact um, in what they do using that budget they have to assign resources to solve this problem all the companies can do that they literally have it it's a CS, it's yeah. called csi budget it is it is uh, put in every year for corporate um, any social impact projects so mm-hmm. now they can and it needs to be structured though because there's no point in an organized uh, in government saying hey listen kailisha we're going to be rolling out 4g networks here that, like there, that, there's no tangible value in that start off with basic things first you know before you mm. go and start talking about trendy topics it's not about trendy yeah. topics it's about getting the basic things first plan it out properly and planning planning is very <laughs> i feel uh, underrated Uh, in many places especially government hmm. what do you think then is going to happen do, do you think this kind of uh, this is uh, there's any kind of recovery that will happen soon for this country will recover it, it's just that it's going to be very expensive while we're doing covid while we have to do the vaccinations all of these things has to be done and the poor that are poor that truly suffered from this are going to suffer even more. Yeah, they are the real victims. Yeah. And the people who obviously orchestrated it um, took advantage of the hunger, uh, mm. they took advantage of the desperation, and they spread wildfires trying to uh, score political points. Mm. And mm. I think that's going to be unforgivable, in my opinion, in terms of what they have done. And this is going to have some serious repercussions for a yeah. while, for a lot of people. Not just international investments or anything, but... just think in fact you and me yeah. for the first time have actually discussed the first time ever seriously considering moving 100% right? oh, same here same here we are yeah. engineers tech people who do stuff here if if all of us are we are not only people yeah a lot of people are talking about this imagine the brain drain that is going to cause <laughs> it's already happened i mean for the multiple multiple uh incidents has happened in this country there's been a massive oh, yeah. brain drain lost a lot, lot i mean people. to the point where i mean it got so bad in escom that they were willing to bring back people that have left this country because they didn't know how to fix problems in this uh, the fix the electrical issue the the power issue i mean there uh, i read this in an article uh, a few year, a few months ago that they oh, were retired escom engineers Yeah, no, no, not just retired, but those who left the country because they were feeling undervalued or safety or whatever it is. So many of them left the country into other countries. And they were actually to the point where they were 
begging those guys to please come back because they didn't know how to solve the problems. That itself is, I mean, that just comes down to your education of the countries. What are you doing with, the, with your students in this country? I mean, students on free education, but okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Where's the quality of that? What are you, you need these fundamental issues that need to be solved within this country. So, yes, I mean, there's always the arts and entertainment, but what are the, the core skills that are needed to fix this country? So promote those skills. Like, you know, empower that in your schooling. There's two you things can, we need here, isn't it? The, what, you, what you're alluding to. There are two things here. One is the education in STEM education. So yes. S-T-E-M, science, yeah. technology, engineering, and maths. We need to focus on that so much. Yeah. I mean, we need to get people ex- so excited that yeah. kids want to be astronauts. They, yeah. we need to, we need kids to know that they someday will do. Uh, Forget about astronauts. I mean, yeah, but that's. I mean, that's, no. Let, let yeah, them think yeah, astronauts. Yeah. Let, them, let them think big. That's the whole yeah. point. We are not allowed to dream. Or oh, if someone uh, said, "I want to be an astronaut," and if you weren't in the states or if you weren't in the privileged sort of circles, you might think astronaut. Nah, you know, don't yeah. want to take it seriously. Now imagine people growing up in poor neighborhoods in South Africa. Mm. If there's a child who says, I want to be an astronaut, are people saying, is this possible? Because mm. this child is genuinely interested? Mm. Or are they going to shoot that child down and say, you know what? Here's the reality on the ground. We need food to eat. Mm. Yes. So we need dreamers. We need to be able to create something that allows them to dream. So let them dream. Let them think about becoming astronauts. And because of that, they go into engineering education or mm-hmm. sciences or something in the, in the sciences that make them curious people that will solve problems. If you do that, I solve think rest, everything yeah. else will fall into place because we are doing two things at once. We are doing the education, meaning we're getting them uh, curious about science. And when they get jobs in science, you know what? Very often it's paid well. Yes. So you can also live decently. And, and, and get the private sector to, to help uh, promote or, or kind of host prizes to, for, for, for students that can come up with tangible solutions to problems that are currently in this country. And there are bright minds out there. So help promote that. You know, I think that's where the private sector can come in and help fund those kind of uh, either prizes or some sort of um, uh, scholarship or bursary you know, to help fund, uh, promote these kids and, and give awareness to STEM uh, education as well. That's number one, right? And there isn't that kind of culture in this country. A lot of STEM-based uh, professions, well, professionals, are leaving this country. Um, mm. You and I included. I've, I've, I've always been a patriotic South African, but I mean, with recent events, it's like you know, seriously, fuck this shit. There's, mm. and and especially as a parent of kids, like <laughs> my kids are going to suffer with the amount of debt and insecurity and uh, poison that's that's running rife in this country why why waste your time and effort trying to trudge through this where you can be better uh, compensated in somewhere else in another country yeah. better recognized at least yeah so there's a lot of things that needs to be fixed, but I think the basic things to start off with is get your education right get the basics right just try and Close, them, close up that gap. Uh, they always talk about this, I guess, when it comes to electioneering, but now it's time to actually start doing it. It's a bit late yeah. now, but better late than ever, I guess. Better, better late, late than, than ever. Better late than pregnant. Better late. 
as a good well, quality So I'm <laughs> saying, I don't know if that's what I would do, <laughs> but I'll let that be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah, so while we do this, there's one more step, which is um, what else can we do? Because, okay, you've, you've got the people, you've got the kids curious about science. They go into the science field. They become the competent engineers that we need. They're the ones who end up fixing ESCOM. They end up, they're the ones who end up designing new systems that helps the trains actually work properly. Um, next thing you know, ESCOM, because of them, the future, ESCOM becomes a fully renewable energy provider in South Africa. That's a, but that's the thing also, like on that topic, government needs to be open to options, tangible options. It, it, you cannot hold all of that power on yourself. You've failed. So suck it up and open it up and be open to ideas. And like, I mean, there was, there was talks of ESCOM saying because more and more people are going on to solar, they want to start taxing those people. It's like, Okay. Fuck that shit. <laughs> that's, 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 things like that? No. Okay. Yes. Like, open no. innovation and yes. cooperation from government means yes. you you also cooperate with us. So you don't yes. come up with stuff like DST, uh, what's it? TV license for my Netflix. Come on, yes. man. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> that, that's just desperate measures now because of your incompetency yeah. to, to bring in revenue. Now you're trying yeah. to be ridiculous. No. Yeah, so, because now you're trying to raise money. Uh, Let's be yes. efficient. Cut the yes. cost first, you know, cut the yes. corruption first. And yes. bring the cost back down. It will definitely come back down because you have so many middle managers that if a project costs fifty million, right, um, they end up charging, geez, five hundred million, uh, uh, where fifty million gets used. It's stuff like that. That's waste because people are just pocketing and making becoming wealthy out of government contracts. That needs to stop. Cronyism and all of these government contracts need to be cut at the source. That needs to go fast and. They need us, man. They need people like you and me. Are you not a solutions architect uh, in your profession? So much, right? yeah. Okay, yeah. so you've got solutions architects and you've got business architects. Right? You know who they are. They are, okay, the, at least the competent ones, the ones that actually do it properly and, you know, do it because they love doing this. Uh, very often are the engineers. So I don't want to say consultants because I'm, uh, I'm adding in people. <laughs> in those other yes. companies, I don't want to get involved in because they do the same no. thing like government. They do it for yes. money. So I don't want to, yes get them involved but engineers no. who are what i call business problem architects solvers. yeah they're problem solvers they're yes. the ones to know, who know that if you buy five trains and you put it on this track it will roughly cost 400 million to make yes these are the and they know the size is right yes they also know the size is right and so they know that when they get a quotation from a supplier to yes. do this where they're managing and the quotation is 450 million they know mm. it's roughly that's what it should be but they don't have that guy so mm. they don't know that this project is 100 million they're getting billed a billion rand. One billion. And they don't they think that's what it costs, but in fact, it wasn't. And they don't have these intermediary professionals in government. But how do you hold the, the current I mean, we talked about educating the, the youth of the country and that's for future generations, but how do you how do you educate leaders the current current leaders that are mismanaging and corrupting the system? It's all about motivation. What do we do these things for? We yes. spoke about the reset, right? Remember I wrote yeah, the great reset, the, yeah. my article on reset. If everything is driven around the pursuit of money, this is going to happen. If money is the goal, 
then they will, this will always happen. No matter how good my plan is going to be, no matter how good my curiosity plan is going to be to get people into STEM education, if there are middle players doing their thing, we are going to lose out because there's going to be corruption. If the end goal is money where you and I rate each other on Forbes 30 for, for based on how much money we have, okay, then we lost the plot. If you're doing that, that's not going to happen. I would rather have a situation where people have money, good money, where it gives them a good life. For example, a good home, a good car, mm. or a good access to public transport. Access, they can go yeah. on holiday, the kids can go to private school, that kind of wealth. Mm. Enough. That bar. We need people who are okay with that and everything else is for the society because you know what, you're enjoying everything, you've got everything you need, you don't, you don't need any more and, you, and you're doing it for the good. The motivation to live that life is required. I don't know what, what it is because that is, I think, the biggest challenge for human society right now to go from doing it for money versus doing it for something else where money is still part of your life because you need to you know, eat and stuff, right? So money right. is still there but it's not the end goal anymore. There's no more Forbes 30 under 30 best of money. It's going mm. to be based on how wide you smile, mm. based on the hats you wear, based on, you know, how many people you've changed, you know, mm. stuff like that. But the question is, what do we do? Because I actually don't have an answer. Because how do we motivate people away from money, which is the number one biggest, most powerful Driver. addictive Mm. system there is in the world. Mm. There's nothing more than that. Capitalism, man, it's created and destroyed at the same time. <laughs> well, capitalism is a tool, right? Capitalism is a tool. For example, if I create something yeah. awesome and it's if a you like it and yeah. you buy from me, I, I get some value because you get some value. You see? Yeah. And there's an exchange of value because I've created something. So if capitalism is based on what you produce in the world, that's cool. Mm. But capitalism where people push buttons and they change and they and they make billions of dollars because they're hedging against the rand exchange rate or they're buying stocks and they're but doing then, manipulations in the market yeah. that that is the that is the abuse of capitalism and so get rid of middle, so get rid of the middleman i guess and i think that's why the drive for decentralization is even greater Maybe. than greater than ever so you have creators and you have consumers and yeah. they interact directly between each other. There's no middleman. There's no corruption then in between. And well, those, there's, there's, a, there's and a, a, a track record between the two, so that anyone yes, can see. Yes. So and, that and means and you create, can see if there are middlemen. And creators can't overprice because they will be held accountable for that by the masses. Yeah. So yes. it'll be fairly priced. So maybe that is the the future. That's Very what actually South Africa needs to do. South African government needs to use a cryptocurrency decentralized process of procurement procuring. No. The government needs to be decentralized. <laughs> Forget about the currency. Okay. <laughs> you are talking about 50 to 100 years away. Okay, no, in the near no, term, right now. No, in the near term, now. what they can do is decentralize the procurement process. So yes. all the tenders yeah. run yeah. through a decentralized open system so that 100%. anything that comes in, anyone can comment. So yes. if somebody is going to charge 500 it, times more it be public. than normal, yeah. it will be public ledger. Up. A public ledger, yes. Yes, public ledger. Mm. And tenders yeah. are open public ledgers, decentralized 100%. public ledgers. So That's I think we come from life solution to realizing technology, tech company life. And we have a technological solution for the government to at least in the first phase, what they can do is reduce the corruption and make sure that they, uh, what's it, damage control for now. 
They need yeah. to damage control and, and equalize things. If this can be done, we can then worry about poverty. Then we can worry about, you know, um, all the issues that's been happening. This is politics. how you can regain some of that 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 trustworthiness or that reputational yes. damage is by opening up your communications, keeping the government needs an open ledger, keeping people system. accountable. Yeah. Yes. And so then we can see who's doing what. Then we can see who's getting paid where, yeah, mm. and who's making the decisions. So that yeah. if this section is approved, who approved that decision, then we know who the minister is or whoever it was. Then we yeah. know that if then there's a, a proper trail, and people will think twice, three times. Well, I think we can extend it to to not just uh, tenders, but I mean, I think all all government uh, funding should be should be decentralized and and uh, yeah. uh, on blockchain or some sort of blockchain. Well, it doesn't have to be blockchain, but some sort of decentralized yeah. process that is open yes. uh, and yeah. people can participate and see. Yes, yeah. that'll be so yeah. important because every month. This is where public, our personal, it's us, corporate and government working together can build stuff like this. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. Then there is motive, motive for corporates to do it because corporates are going to ensure efficient government and that's going to ensure good um, company process. Because if the government is volatile, company profits suffer. So there is a financial motive to do it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, well, that's that's a that's a first good start. Let's hope someone in government mm. is listening to this, or someone in private sector is listening to this. I think the uh, next episode we talk about how we can functionally create that. Yeah, hundred percent. There you go. I think this is that's a great start. I hope this this kind of ideas need to to be put into the fore. I mean, we are just two ordinary guys. Uh, and there's a lot more I, f- I feel in, in this country. There's a lot of potential, but I feel it's it's if it's not managed soon enough, it's this talent will all leave the country. Uh, yeah. So it needs to be harnessed and grown. There is it needs to be done so much potential here. Yeah. So properly. Uh, first of all, reducing all of this corruption, open government system. That's that's also you know partnership with everyone involved. It's going to take a massive effort, but I think that is something that, that they need to do. Hmm. And then there is trust in the fact that with the 500 billion that was available, we would have seen exactly where it went. Well, yeah, that's, I think, uh, it's again, that, that financial, I mean, we are on the tethers of financial liquidity. I mean, we, as it is, we are already on, what, junk status in the last the last hmm. I heard. This is going to take us even further back. Uh, we have to bite that bullet and accept it. It is what it is, but going forward then, all of that needs to be held accountable. What went where? How is it being managed? Who is managing it? Who is mismanaging it? And openly call out people who are mismanaging it. Take them out. Uh, yeah. Uh, how do you prevent future rights from happening like this? Um, uh, iron hand uh, in terms of the rule of law. Uh, ministers jailed properly. Yeah, yeah. Not this running around, running around, you know, um, what's it? Every time there's a court order, that there's a defense and there's appeal that it just carries on, on and on, wasting money. And, and then on that note, thank you for listening to Tech Comedy Life. Hopefully next time we come at a much more positive outlook and funnier outlook. My dad jokes will return in the next episode. <laughs> we are never far away. Never far away. Awesome. Good night, Take care. Good night. Cheers. Bye.